You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Gators Breakdown, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC, bringing you a jam-packed episode here this week on Gators Breakdown. Will Miles still off enjoying new baby life. He got some family in town, so, uh, you know, giving that time to to enjoy the uh, the rare time that 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 that, that is uh, so uh, let me get that out there uh, got the sniffles a little bit of course I know a lot of you out there dealing with some bad weather uh, cold weather it's pollen season already in February here in Florida so uh, my allergies are, are getting the best of me now so struggling a bit there but man a lot to talk about here on Gators Breakdown this week spring practice is starting Corey Bender from Gators Tour. Gators territory will also be on to talk 2022 recruiting as we kind of shift from the 2021 class to the 2022 class. Uh, so Corey uh, will update us on the world of recruiting as uh, we're about a year away now from that when that 2022 class uh, will be in. So, of course, a lot of storylines there uh, that will follow throughout the year. and We'll get a good start on it here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. So a lot to the. To, to, lot to discuss, of course. Spring practice is going to start this week. Uh, kind of a surprise that it's going to start this early. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Mullen had his pre-spring press conference, so we'll get into that before Corey joins us. And just a lot to discuss here uh, on this episode. And, uh, look, never a dull moment, of course. So uh, and we'll live up to that moniker here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Before we get started, remember you can find Gators Breakdown at news4jacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. You'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes there. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It really helps us out. Please share, rate, and review the show on YouTube, uh, your favorite podcast platform. You can find us there uh, as well and follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. So, Let's get into uh, spring practice, and, and, and it's starting first, the big headline, and I'll get into uh, what uh, AD Scott Strickland uh, had to say uh, about this. But the biggest thing, of course, is there's not going to be a spring game to end it with. So it was announced Monday this week that the Gators will start spring practice about a month earlier than usual. Florida starts on Thursday this week, February 18th, and will not hold a spring game. <clears throat> to conclude this practice time. So here's the uh, letter from Scott Strickland of um, everything that this spring will hold for the Gator football team. 
It says during the COVID pandemic, the UAA's focus has been on safety, conducting uh, safely conducting athletic events against outside competition while allowing a limited number of Gator fans to attend those games per UF health guidelines. Beginning this Thursday, the Gator football team will have 15 practices that will encompass four weeks. However, hosting fans for an intra-squad spring football scrimmage seems unwise given all the circumstances, including the fact that Ben Hill Griffin Stadium is being used as a large-scale COVID testing and vaccination site. Staying engaged with Gator fans and their passion for Florida football remains a priority. As part of spring football practice, the football team's social media accounts on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will provide enhanced coverage of spring practice to give fans a more complete view of the Gators' progress. Also, the SEC Network will have a dedicated window to showcase Gators football, similar to what televised spring games have provided in the past. We appreciate the continued support of our fans throughout the pandemic. We cannot wait to host Gator Nation at the Swamp for games this fall. Go Gators. So, there we go. There's the news from Scott Strickland that no spring game will get some kind of uh, feed on the social media channels uh, there. So hopefully a lot of video <laughs> coming our way of, uh, of spring football, of course. Uh, I would love for the media to be there as well. At least we could be some eyes uh, for, for everyone, but that's going to be closed off. And it was expected. I didn't expect this to be able to go to practice or anything like that. I, I really didn't. I am a bit surprised that they're that they're not going to hold a, a traditional spring game and, and let fans come to that. Uh, I get and understand these the, the swamp being used uh, for COVID testing and, and vaccination site. <clears throat> Good on them there. A uh, bit surprised still that we're not getting the game. Not totally surprised, honestly. Uh, just a, a small bit <laughs> surprised that we're not going to get a traditional spring game uh, here. With, but with everything going on and all that I understand it, uh, so we you know we'll see. But you just you know you just held a, a full season, but I think it is more about it being currently used in its current form uh, to help out. I'm sure they'll have a couple of the scrimmages in there, but you don't have to worry about filing fans in uh, for for that. So not a total surprise, just a small bit of a surprise there. So uh, you know, and now you know the the no traditional spring game and. You know, we got we finally got to talk to Dan Mullen uh, with his pre-spring press conference. Man, can't get that out today. Uh, and um, the first time we got to talk to him since the Cotton Bowl, of course, a lot has happened uh, there with Gators, with with signing day, and then the recent coaching hires, and, and all the like there. So we finally got to uh, speak to Mullen for the first time in about a month and a half uh, here. So um, you know. It uh, Mullen brought up you know, advantages and disadvantages uh, for the players themselves uh, of not having uh, a spring game. The disadvantage: players don't get the pressure of playing in front of a crowd, uh, and you know that's the first time a lot of them get to play in a crowd <laughs> that big. Mullen even said, you know, the, the spring game crowd is sometimes bigger than what they've played in 2020. A lot of the young players in the 2020 crowd, when when you know with the pandemic here and you you were limited. Uh, fan size wise in a lot of stadiums and the swamp included and that the spring game crowd can a lot of times be bigger than the 2020 crowd. So it could have been the biggest crowd they played in (laughs) in the the spring game uh, coming up. So they don't get that. Uh, They don't get that pressure of playing in front of fans and a crowd advantage. And I like this, you know, it's another scrimmage that, you know, there's no public 
And so it'd be more of working on what they want to work on and not have to worry about hiding anything since it won't be public. Just go out there like a practice and and, and run the complete offense. Look, it, it's no style, and we'll get into it just a little bit later on too. It's no secret the style of offense <laughs> or what the offense will look like for Florida, you know, but figuring out personnel along the way and how to use that personnel will be a huge emphasis, and, and you get to keep that under wraps for just a bit longer. So that's the advantage there uh, from the coaching side of it and, and all that. So, um, you know, you, you see it both ways. A lot of times when, when things happen, there's a good side and there's a bad side, and you can kind of see the good side here uh, with that and, and, and the like. So. Um, I, I don't really have a problem with the, with the no spring game. I would like to have it. I'd like to go tailgate with some friends. Uh, I know a lot of fans out there. I got, got the feedback uh, for, from you uh, out there. Wanted the spring game. Uh, wanted to be able to go to the swamp and, and enjoy that day. Take your kids because it's a lot of time. That's the easiest game to take your kids to <laughs> and, and enjoy the swamp and see the swamp and see some, you know, this year it kind of would have been nice because it would have been the first time a lot of people probably would have seen each other since the 2019 season if you didn't go to games in 2020 uh but you know somewhat somewhat understandable uh given that the swamp is being used for uh covid stuff uh, out there so can't fault them too much there there so, um well you know like i said we finally got to speak to mullen and the, the big question for the spring is why do it early what why have a about a month earlier than normal start to spring practice and I like the reasoning here. Uh, Mullen Mullen gave us. He said, "Look, no travel for recruiting right now because of the pandemic. So you know, now you you got to watch a lot of film from this past season and evaluate that film already instead of traveling and not watching film from this past season. You got to watch all that film because you you couldn't travel. You recruit virtually, and there you go. It leaves more time since you're not traveling to evaluate." Uh, so with the early start, you know, I, I like this part of it too. Muller mentioned now players who take part in spring practice now get to watch themselves on film from spring that much longer. So you start earlier and now you got about a month now, ex- an extra four weeks that before the season starts, players can watch film from spring on themselves. And Mullen brought up a good point that players learn better from watching themselves, not watching other people do what they did or, 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 or maybe the reasoning for doing what they, they did. Now, you know, you, you're watching you, you know, why you did something, you know, why you did something right. You know, why you did something wrong. Now they get to evaluate that film of themselves for even longer. So players now get an extra month to consume spring game film. The coaches get a month longer to evaluate the film really beneficial for the new coaches uh, in the secondary, I think. And the young guys that would be taking part, uh, there in the secondary on that rotation on the back end. And I think this really benefits Florida uh, of starting early. And look, you don't even know. I mean, I, I don't talk COVID too much. I don't get get into all that, all that, all that often. Uh, but, you know, there's this new COVID-19 variant out there. Who's to say, for whatever reason, they shut things down again in a month or so or a month and a half. Florida's starting this on the pretty early side. They'll probably get the whole spring in right now. Uh, you know, if things change. So I don't, I don't think that's the way things are leaning or going right now. I really want to even get into that. But just in case, at least you're out in front of it. At least you would probably get most of spring practice in, if not all of it, if something else happens like somewhat uh, last year around the same time. So starting early, I think, really benefits Florida here. Uh, and, and for the football side of it, 
like, more time to evaluate and, and watch film for another four weeks heading into uh, the 2021 fall camp. So, uh, of course, we got to ask Mullen some questions um, for, for, for the good long bit, uh, about an hour long uh, press conference there. We got to have with Dan Mullen. So, you know, really uh, gracious for his time there. Uh, to, you know, this is kind of happening fast. <laughs> you know, we got, I heard some rumblings that spring practice might be starting a little bit early, but, uh, you know, it finally came out in a flurry that, hey, Press conference tomorrow, spring practice on Thursday. So, uh, of course, you know, but we got to uh, – um, I'm glad they, they held the presser and, and gave us time uh, to, to talk to Mullen. And, of course, the big focus is fixing the defense. Uh, I think that's where everybody's going to be looking. I know there's change on offense. We'll get into that, too, a lot of the change. But, you know, Florida's not going to do much if they, can't, if they can't fix the defense. So, you know, it was the first question I asked Mullen about yesterday. And he said, look, what they have to do is evaluate – find out what they do well on defense and making sure that our scheme fits the strength of our players, making sure we put our, our guys in the best position and the best players out there. So you basically, basically follow that up with they get to do that this spring with the young players. There's something that didn't get to do last year with the younger guys on the roster. And look, I mean, Mullen brought up a good point too. If you're a 2019 recruit that was not an early enrollee, this is going to be your first spring. Take a player like Kyrie Edelman, for example. He's played two seasons. This would be his first spring he gets to take part in. So, you know, this is uh, – you can kind of go back to last year and see maybe uh, – you know, we, we know the issues on defense last year. Uh, we're deeper than just, you know, not having a, a spring to evaluate the younger players. Um, but, you know, it, it, it could have had something to do with more experienced players being left out there on the field – because the staff didn't get a spring to evaluate young players, so they didn't trust them to be out there. But the biggest problem we all noticed, and something Mullen mentioned, they will be working on this spring, and that is communication, getting lined up. Mullen says that sense of urgency was a problem down on the field, caused misalignments. So those are the two big things for the defense this spring. Evaluation for younger players and fixing the issue of miscommunication and urgency before the snap. Does that mean changing the defense from what Grantham traditionally runs? I, I'm hesitant hesitant to say yes uh, there because, you know, the miscommunication and alignment issues weren't an issue in 2018 and 2019, but were for some reason with a lot of experience coming back in 2020. Now, a lot of that came when teams went hurry up, no huddle, but of course teams are going to see that on film. They're going to keep trying to take advantage of it. It was a problem in 2020. And they're going to see if Florida can fix those issues. I don't think it means changing the defense, but could mean simplifying the same defense. But as I said, I'm, I'm hesitant to say that even happens since it wasn't an issue before 2020. But if teams are going to run no huddle, test Florida, see if they get got any better in that regard, you know, you're, you're going to have to. It's going to have to happen. The, the, the simplifying of defense is going to have to happen if teams are going to run the hurry up. And they'll test Florida that way early on in the season. Well, I, I think we'll see. Teams are really, especially beginning of the season, kind of like Ole Miss did last year. You're going to see FAU, USF try it. They don't have the talent to keep up with Florida, but I think you'll be able to tell with the basics. The spring are going to be worked on by those first couple games. So this spring is very instrumental. In those first couple games, we see some teams <laughs> run the huddle or whatever. We'll be able to we'll be able to tell. Uh, what they worked on this spring, uh, see if they got that fixed. 
And look, we all know uh, new coaches are on that side of the ball and in the secondary uh, where we saw most of the com- most most of the communication issues. And Mullen went into the hiring of Wesley McGriff and, and Jules Montanar. Montanar has uh, the uh, the task of coaching the corners. McGriff has the safeties and the nickels. Uh, and critical for the whole communication within the secondary to be on point, Mullen said. So those groups will be working together quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, look, after what we saw last year, they need to. Yeah, he said he has high expect- high expectations for everyone. But McGriff coming in, he's known him for a long time, tried to hire him before, wasn't able to. Uh, with his energy, he's someone he's really excited to get. Said it was the first call he made when that position was open. And then – they had the they had the other opening uh, for uh, you know Torian Gray, Ron English leave, and did a lot of research for for getting the second guy. Uh, Mullen says they went in a different direction and tried to get a guy with his experience who fit. Uh, meeting with Grantham and reviewing things and digging a lot, they found Montanar, who was a recruiter the year before and has worked his way up within the profession. Learned under some great secondary coaches early in his career and had success both recruiting and the players on the field. He talked to guys that they've worked with and his personality and the fit on different staffs was something people spoke highly of. Wanted to create a staff where everyone would work together and everyone had positive things to say about Montanar in terms of how up and coming he is, how energetic, personable, and all, all that stuff there. Said it was really a no-brainer for him to hire Montanar in the end. So <laughs> I think, look, the point there getting a staff that works together. I don't think the secondary staff worked all great together with Grantham last year. I don't think Tory and Gray style mesh well with what Grantham wanted to do. Uh, Ron English and the, and, and, the, and the safety is just getting worse every year from 2018 to 2019 to 2020. Something was happening back there. It, it wasn't the best. And I think, you know, you saw those moves being made besides changing the defensive coordinator communication, the staff getting along back there has to be better and it's like Mullen did a lot of research on Montanar. And, of course, he knows McGriff. And um, those are the two hires made. And we'll see uh, we'll see if that benefits the Gators in some form or fashion in the 2021 season. But this spring, very important to get those issues worked out. Uh, and uh, those are the – this seems simple on the surface. And you hope, uh, you know, they've identified some things from the offseason to now and then can work on those things coming up this spring. So of course, Florida hit the transfer portal transfer portal hard, uh, and Mullen brought up you know they try to address needs with transfers rather than just taking guys. They've had opportunities to get great players that they didn't get, but at the time they didn't have that need for those players. Then when these players get on the field, it appears you have more success that way. Go on the guys that get need, and then make. He said they usually when they hit the portal, they hit needs, but guys that can make an immediate impact. Two guys that can make an immediate impact at the position of need or at defensive tackle, Antonio Shelton, Daquan Newkirk. Uh, Mullen got to talk about those guys for the first time and says, I think we have some really good young talent, interior defensive linemen, and we had a bunch of guys over the last two years, and you know that leave and walk out the door. So there's kind of this little gap in the middle between the two. You know, you look at uh, Newkirk and you look at Shelton coming in, and those guys, they have experience. They have one of the things that was huge for me that I'm very pleased with because you talk to them, you research them, they find out, but until you deal with um, trying to figure out <laughs> what uh, we got here, because you basically research and Mullen wanted to find leadership. 
Uh, he goes, they're both older, experienced players with great maturity. They understand that coming in, and they are some of the older players in that group and in that meeting room now. And in that, posi- in that position unit, they're some of the most experienced players, and they are, they are expected to have leadership qualities. They're not expected to come in and just act like the new guy. They got to learn the program and what, it, and what that's about pretty fast. But they have very high expectations for them, and they've really shown that so far. So, you know, we all watched that defense last year and asked where the leadership was. It was missing. You know, hopefully Shelton and Newkirk can come in like Jonathan Grenard did a couple years ago. Get some leaders up front that are instant impact players, and that can go a long way in turning around this defense. Talked about the secondary issues, but Florida had some issues up front too, had some leadership issues. Slayton and Campbell, pretty good combo last season when together. So, you know, I guess the question as far as play goes, can the play be better from Newkirk and Shelton? Uh, But, you know, leadership can go a long way as well. Sounds like Mullins encouraged early on in that aspect. Let's move to the other side of the ball uh, right quick. And I asked Mullen uh, about Demarcus Bowman and his eligibility. There's still some question there. And uh, also going into the depth at running back. And, you know, if we might see players switch positions. So I got to ask him about that and said they haven't heard officially if Bowman will be eligible or not. And I think the thought there is that he will, but you never know <laughs> with the NCAA. He did play a tiny bit for Clemson last season transferred back in October, so they couldn't make him sit out a year. But Florida has had pretty good fortune, of course, in getting players cleared right away, except for Brenton Cox a couple years ago. Uh, Bowman will take part in spring, of course. Uh, and that gives Florida a ton of bodies at running back. You know, we talked about that a few weeks ago when we were previewing the 2021 offense. Mullen mentioned might see more two running back sets, more running backs on the field. Uh, look, it was hard to take Kyle Pitts and Kadarius Tony off the field last season, but they'll build around what the guys that they have do well and, and use this spring to figure that out. So, so to me, the big question here, big question here is how fast does Bowman get his chance over Pierce, Davis, and Wright? And when he does, is it apparent that he's the best option? I think the faster they can identify that part of the offense and that, that part of the puzzle, the faster this offense can successfully transition from pass happy to run focused. But we all know that's only one piece. So uh, how do you change the offense with the skill sets of quarterback? It goes into the next topic here. Uh, Mullen discussed and, and, he, and he said, that's what they do as a staff. You know, they go back to, to different schemes and it can utilize those guys strengths. Uh, they have a good quarterback run package that they were conservative with, of course, with Trask, <laughs> you know, you're not going to run him a whole lot. And, uh, he said, look, Trask was really accurate. Um, Emory and AR have cannon arms. They can extend plays. The field spreads out. You can see what happens when someone loses the rush lane with those guys on the field, Mullen said. He goes, you know, they bring different skills to the table, so they have to manipulate around the strengths of those guys within the quarterback run, zone read, scrambling, and improvising. And look, guys, <laughs> we know Mullen knows that style of offense. He's had a lot of success with that offense with different styles of quarterbacks, Alex Smith to Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, Nick Fitzgerald. The, the style of offense for those guys was basically the same, but it catered to their strengths as well. Fitzgerald didn't throw anywhere near as, <laughs> the, the same amount as those guys, but it was more or less the same offense, far from what we saw this past season with uh, a passer like Kyle Trask. So you know, now we transition back to that offense, and at least it's something you know this staff has success with. And that kind of goes into, you know, Brian Johnson leaving. Mullen spoke on that. Look, they, they have a core amount of guys 
who have been with this staff, Billy Gonzalez, John Hevesy, Dan Mullen, those guys worked together in this offense for years. You know, it, it's a collaborative effort, but, you know, Mullen's still the mastermind of this offense, still his offense. He was still very heavily involved in the play calling last year. Uh, you know, he gave Brian Johnson that, that, that title to help him out. He moves on to the NFL, but Mullen's still calling a whole lot of the plays and going to be calling a whole lot of plays this coming up year as well. So, you know, the, I still say feel confident <laughs> about this offense. It's going to look different. May not be the same high flying, scoring 40 points a game offense. It'd be different, more ball control. I still think explosiveness can be there. Uh, with, with the run, if the run game's going, it's going to leave a lot of one on one for the wide receivers and tight ends uh, on the field. So, you know, I think, you know, after you know, talking with Mullen uh, <laughs> yesterday, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of confidence in this running game with the bodies that they have there and, and these, and being able to use that run game cater to the quarterbacks uh, as well. So a lot of good stuff from Dan Mullen yesterday. You got kind of opened up with us a, a bit for the first time, as I said, about a month and a half. Uh, and um, glad to be talking some football again in February. I mean, we're always talking football here, but talking with the head coach in February about spring practice starting <laughs> is a bit different. So uh, a lot of good stuff to look forward to. Uh, the next four weeks. And hopefully, you know, Florida sends out a whole lot of uh, those uh, highlights and stuff on social media, YouTube as well. Hopefully maybe we even get a whole, a whole scrimmage or, or something like that, that they'll, they'll let us watch uh, somehow, some way <laughs> we'll take it. We'll, we'll take it. We'll dissect it. Of course, if they give it to us, uh, but we'll, we'll dissect every bit of, uh, of what they give to us uh, these next four weeks and uh, stay tuned to get breakdown as we will cover spring football uh, for the next few Weeks. All right, joining me next will be uh, Corey Bender uh, as we take a look at recruiting for the Gators looking ahead to the 2022 recruiting class. Corey, man, the uh, 2021 class just got over with, so now we can turn the page to 2022. Um, at one point, you know, Florida had some commits and now some recent decommits as well, so the class has taken a bit of a hit. But let's start with the good news first and the most recent commit, uh, Francois Nolton on the, the, uh, on the defensive line. Uh, Gators get a, a big-time four-star prospect here. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think he's a guy with a high ceiling as well, still growing into his body. He's about 6'5", 235, but still fairly lean. Um, and most kids at the high school level, they kind of rely on you know their overall strength, uh, more power, especially since a lot of those kids aren't as strong as you'll typically see, obviously, at the college level. But he obviously has some finesse too, man. He has a good swim move, a good bull rush. Um, a good variety of moves to go to in addition to um, pushing up the, pushing up the pocket and using his strength. Um, does a good job of dipping his shoulder, turning the corner for a, si a kid that size. Um, he battled some injuries this past year, but it was just minor stuff. And his, his season was shortened, I think, to five games. But even if you watch a small sample size from this past year, it kind of shows you why um, Florida's so excited about him. He does a good job of exploding, too. He has good hesitation, um, gets guys kind of kind of um, – kind of leans them into him and kind of reels them in and then also they'll explode at the last second to really gain that advantage. So um, he's a very crafty player, uh, but also I'm excited about his long-term potential. Good height, um, good, um, yeah, 235, good weight as far as like um, good weight and frame to really add positive weight over the next two, three years. I think he could play around 260, 265 uh, when it's all said and done. I mean, he's very, I mean, you look at him 235, he looks like when you see him like more like 220 ish. So, I mean, he definitely has a good frame to expand. I think He's a guy who will continuously get better and probably go up in the ranking, especially once he has a full um, senior film to really show people. Um, so I think he's a guy that four fans could be excited about. Really good variety of moves early on, but still has a lot of potential to work with. 
Yeah, Corey, that's the most recent commit. And then a little bit of bad news. Of course, one of the highest rated prospects in the class for the Gators, Sam McCall, defensive back there, was committed to the Gators. Some coaching changes happened. He decides to decommit. What's the story behind that? And comes out recently and names FSU as leader. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that was one. I think once Torian Gray, they decided not to um, keep him on the staff. He was one kid we kind of circled as far as keep an eye on. He's a Torian Gray is obviously from Polk County, obviously where Sam McCall is. Um, that relationship relationship is very strong. Um, you know, with Gray was one of the primary reasons why he committed in the first place. He also told Connor Clark, um, who obviously wrote up the story about saying FSU was a leader, that one of the other reasons why he committed to Florida was the um, on was going to give him the opportunity to play offense and defense. Would that really happen when he got to Gainesville? I don't know. Yeah, we always kind of hear yeah. that thing about they can play both sides. But, um, yeah, Torrey Gray played a big factor there. So once they kind of uh, parted ways with him, it only took several hours after that before he reopened his recruitment. Um, and that kind of rubbed him the wrong way. He didn't like the way they handled that and basically said, like, why would you get rid of a coach of that caliber? It doesn't really make sense. But he says he's gotten over it. But long story short, he's hoping to make another commitment here before the end of spring, maybe early summer um florida state's the leader um florida has a lot of ground to make up here um you know as far as the new coaches in the secondary are communicating with them um he texts with dan mullen here and there as well um but there's just if he's going to make a commitment here in a few months um i would be highly shocked i'd be very shocked if it would be florida um we still have almost a whole year to go so we'll see what happens but i think just the way everything went with Torian gray um florida definitely has some room to make up and it's also worth mentioning i mean they're recruiting sam mccall but he's not their top guy from what i'm told by multiple people um in the know that he's not their top guy at safety you know they like they like devin Moore out in naples mm -hmm. that's a kid who's really rising up their board and from what i heard he was their top safety on the board um you know kamari wilson's up there but even kamari wilson i i'm g cammy he was another one who was really prioritized more by the previous secondary staff so there's been a lot of movement since on English and Torian Gray were let go. Um, a lot of guys moving up the board, guys sliding down. So I think with McCall, maybe they'll keep recruiting him, you know, stay in contact with him. But I'm not expecting much as far as him getting back in the class. I think Devin Moore is the one kid to really keep an eye on as far as that safety position. Corey, that's where I was going next. Of course, coaching changes uh, happen. Uh, yep. They happen to Florida uh, th this past uh, th this past offseason. Uh, we're heading into spring practice now. So, you know, Jaheim Singletary commits to Ohio State, thought to be a Florida lean for a little while. Florida's brought in a mm -hmm. lot of numbers in the secondary. Uh, you may can see why some guys would shy away, but, you know, he was thought to be a shoe in at one time for the Gators. Grew up a Gator fan. He's here in Jacksonville, really close to Gainesville. But Singletary commits to Ohio State. McCall decommits from the Gators. Uh, probably looks to be trending away now. Uh, what's kind of the early returns on Montanar and, and, uh, and McGee out there as far as you know, maybe players that are targeting and, and, and maybe guys kind of maybe talking behind the scenes a bit? Yeah, I think with Montanar, man, he's been really putting in the work. I mean, I have to give him a lot of credit. Like Devin Moore, obviously one I just mentioned, he's a guy that he's reached out to. Um, all those guys have mentioned too. He's, I mean, he's been relentless. Out of all the new additions on the recruiting trail, he's been most relentless. Even if you just go to his Twitter account, mm -hmm. um, he's been following a lot of kids every day. I mean, even kids are not even defensive backs. I mean, he's reaching the out, uh, reaching out to five star linebackers, defensive linemen, wide receivers. Corey, you, ha um, you have been, to you have to do that as a recruiting coordinator, right? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, man. So it's not. I think a lot of people look at his role and think he's just being go, uh, going after defensive backs, but. Yeah, he, oh, Earl Little's another one. He's been going all in for uh, defensive back down on Plantation American Heritage. Um, I mean, five or six coaches are speaking to him, but um, they had a Zoom call with him not too long ago with uh, Montanar obviously leading the way there. 
Um, so I honestly compared, I think, just based off what fans have been saying, I think a lot more, I mean, it's going to give time. Actually, we need to wait to actually have results, gain commitments. But as far as, what, a month in the books, as far as effort level and how many kids he's been contacting, um, it's been pretty intriguing um, as far as just the amount of work he's been putting in. I feel like he has a chip on his shoulder. Um, a lot of these coaches don't obviously read everything on Twitter, but I think when they announced that hire, um, a lot of people were kind of like, oh, like they're kind of, they weren't, they thought there was going to be a bigger name. Um, and obviously it's hard not, not to read everything these days, especially when you're, when your job, you're on Twitter, reaching out to kids, and your accounts getting tagged. So I think as long as fans give him time um, and let him do his thing. And obviously the results, I mean, it's so early. We have two commits in the class right now. Mm-hmm. The class is going to be filled up by the end of the year. Um, he's doing a great job. And I think fans, obviously coach crime dog, um, you know, Wesley McGriff, mm-hmm. there's like Jacoby Matthews out of Louisiana. He's like a five-star athlete. He's been really uh, recruiting him really well. Both him and Montana are really going after Devin Moore. So the effort's definitely there. You just got to wait for the results to come in. Um, Trey Donaldson's another one like um, we'll probably talk later on the show about. But, yeah, there's a lot of names, a lot of the names we are familiar with already. Um, those two guys have really picked up the contact since there was uh, staff changes. And, um, yeah, I mean, Coach has been raving about him. I mean, it's definitely been a good review so far. Yeah, I said uh, I said McGee, but I meant McGriff. But we will go to oh, McGee. No, yeah, but I will say McGee for, of course, because the uh, coaching change at quarterback coach for the Gators, uh, as well as Brian Johnson leaves as that role and offensive coordinator as well. Uh, of course, you know we we know this is Dan Mullen's you know baby that that quarterback position and and the success he's had there. Uh, but the coaching change there as well does look. Jacory Brown from uh, Lowndes Valdosta was thought to be the quarterback uh, singled in on pretty early on in the process. With the coaching changes there, does the quarterback uh, recruiting look different uh, moving forward now for the Gators? Yeah, I definitely say it does, man. Yeah, like you said, Ja'Kerry Brown was kind of the one everyone kind of had circled. Him and uh, Nico Marcial, as far as before he committed to Florida State, those mm-hmm. are like two guys. Um, a lot, MJ Morris is another one. Those are three guys I think they were often discussed before Brian Johnson's departure for the Philadelphia Eagles. But the one kid to really look out for is Nick Evers out of Texas. He's a fast-rising kid um, who was in his first season as the start of this past year, really had a good season down in Texas, good competition. Um, Just in the past several weeks, he's had Florida offer, man, Minnesota, Virginia Tech, Penn State. And he was a kid with just kind of group five offers. Now he's probably arguably one of the more fast-rising quarterbacks in the whole country. Um, I know Florida – I mean – Coach McGee has done a great job with him. Um, that's the one thing with Coach McGee. He was another one. I think the Florida fan base, they weren't when they announced that hire. That was another one. People were just like, oh, we want a bigger name. But I think with Coach McGee, man, um, all the reviews I've got from kids have been very positive. With Nick Evers, he just said it's a coach that really uh, gives him gives him a lot of motivation, says a lot of great things to him and his family. Very consistent in the conversations as far as what Florida wants at quarterback, uh, what they see from him and how he could fit in. Um, I think, honestly, as of right now, I think he's the most likely addition at quarterback, if you had asked me today. Um, I don't think he's a kid. He wants to kind of make a decision by the end of spring, early summer. Um, and recently told our Penn State site that Florida, Cincinnati, I can't recall in third school, are the schools really prioritizing him the most. I think he'll be a four-star kid before it's all said and done. Um, more of a pro-style quarterback, but definitely mobile enough to get outside the pocket and move. Um, but all of that's with McGee. Dan Mullen um, reached out to him. Dan Mullen and McGee both reached out to him two days ago. Um, at the same time, early in the morning, I think, I think it was Monday morning and a, a virtual visit should be scheduled here this week. They're just kind of waiting to send over the dates to him. Um, but I think he's the most likely addition, man. You also have Kate Klubnick out of Texas. who's a two-time state champion, um, really gaudy numbers. Another kid with good competition in Texas. Um, Dan Mullen personally offered him. Um, and I think that definitely says a lot about 
you know, where he stands on the board. Um, with all the Texas schools having quarterbacks committed now, too, it makes it more interesting. A&M has a quarterback commit. Um, Texas does as well. Mm -hmm. um, so that kind of opens the door for a school like Florida, where typically a lot of those kids stay home. Um, that's another big-time kid, Rivals 250 guy you can keep an eye on. Um, Sam Horn out of Georgia was just offered over the last week and a half. I know he wants to visit Florida here before the uh, before the start of summer. Um, so I think Sam Horn, Nick Evers, and Kay Klubnick, those are three guys to really keep an eye on. But I think if most likely of all three of them, as far as just today, I would say Nick, Nick Evers just because of those relationships um, with McGee. And um, Florida's obviously a big-time offer for any kid, and I know that offer really – Call him by, not call him by surprise, but it was like, wow, like I'm really on this level now. Um, and those relationships are building pretty fast. All right. Corey Bender from Gators Territory joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Looking forward to the 2022 recruiting class. Corey, man, <laughs> Miami Palmetto last year, Lakeland before that many times. But you know, is there a school out there with multiple prospects that you know Florida has a shot with? Yeah, I mean, you can really go in a few directions here. I mean, there's actually multiple schools. I mean, still, even with Lakeland, they have Gabe, uh, yeah, they have the one Gabriel over there, defensive end. Um, I don't know why his name slipped on my mind right now. Oh, Gabriel <laughs> Dindy. Um, he's obviously one over there. He has another teammate there who has an offer, but Florida's not pushing as hard right now. So Lakeland's still on that radar. You still can't leave them off the list, but um, IMG Academy, I mean, Katron Allen's a running back who's really high on Florida's board. Mutual interest is very high there. I would say Florida's more in the top three, four range. Um, Tyler Booker, their offense alignment, who's another Rivals 100 kid, um, has Florida. I mean, there's some people have already put in predictions for Florida, even though it's still so kind of early. Um, those relationships are very strong. He talks to Florida more than any other school. I think Hevesy Mullen, about four or five staff members speak to him every week. Um, that's another one. Kamari Wilson's over there. Um, and like I was saying before, he was more prioritized by the previous secondary staff. He's still high on the board, fairly high, um, but not as high as I would say as he was a few months ago. Um, Keon Sab, that's another big time prospect or an IMG Academy. Um, American Heritage, we just talked about Earl Little, um, the Rivals 100 defensive back. He's a Miami legacy. It's hard to really, I mean, you know, like his dad played in Miami, was a big time player there. So you don't want to, it's hard not to favor them early on. But man, from Brewster, um, all across the Dan Mullen to Granham. I mean, five or six Florida coaches are really hit, like prioritizing Earl Little, and that's really making an impression. Um, Marvin Jones is over there too. Um, a, a Rivals 250 outside linebacker who has Florida high on his board. Those two are a little bit harder because one's a Miami legacy and one's an FSU legacy. But Florida is definitely near the top for both those kids. Um, and two other schools I'll mention too is Homestead. Um, Daniel Lyons and Dante Anderson. I know Daniel Lyons, he is a take for the staff right now. He's a defensive tackle, about 6'4", 275. Um, he wasn't as high on Florida's board a few months ago, but that's kind of changed in recent weeks. Um, Florida's kind of prioritizing him more, and a, a virtual visit is supposed to take place here soon. Um, his teammate's Dante Anderson. He's another four-star prospect, more of a hybrid outside linebacker, um, buck type. I would say more of a – early on, he was more of a buck, but um, he, I would say more he's more of a traditional outside linebacker now. Um, those are two guys to keep an eye on down at Homestead. And then I guess the last one that I would mention is Shamadon Madonna down in South Florida, Kenyatta Jackson, the DN. Um, he's a big time prospect. Rivals 100 guy. He's been really been prioritized by Florida for much of this year. I mean, again, with like Earl Little and these other guys, five or six Florida coaches are contacting him. He's a big time kid and he doesn't want to, he, he does a good job not revealing much, but he has the Alabamas, the Clemsons, Florida's, everyone after him. But Florida, I would definitely say he's like in that top three, four range, maybe even higher. Yeah, I mean, Florida's seeing really good there. Um, and his teammates, Ryan Turner. 
uh, cornerback who was just offered about a month ago. Um, Clemson's offered, Florida's just offered, um, loves the tradition, obviously with the DBs in Gainesville. So those are two, that, that's another school. So I think this year there's about four or five schools that have multiple prospects with Florida offers that Florida has a shot with. Obviously you're not going to get them all. I mean, it's definitely just so early too. We'll see where their list stands in the summer, but as, as far as today, Florida seemed pretty good with all those kids. All right, Corey, of course, you know, Mullen even mentioned it in his uh, pre-spring press conference about how you know fans like to hit on the running back recruiting. <laughs> and, you know, Demarcus Bowman comes in through the transfer portal. Add Bowman, add Pierce, Davis, Wright. Florida's got a lot of bodies in that running back room. And after this year, it could take a big hit. So Florida will need to add uh, to that position group through recruiting this year. Who are some of the top running backs out there that could uh, make their way in the orange and blue? Yeah, absolutely, man. And as of right now, they didn't, obviously they didn't sign one in 2021 as far as out of high school because Bowman kind of took that one spot. But in 2022, they plan on signing two. So that's the early plans right now, sign two guys from this class. Um, Katron Allen, who we just kind of touched on from IMG Academy, um, he's one that definitely has – he didn't want to say leader to me when I talked to him on the phone Monday, but he said they're at the top of the list. And when I said leader, he said uh, he didn't want to go that far like as far <laughs> as putting that article. But it just kind of shows where Florida's really with him right now. They made his top 10 last month. Um, Alabama's really high too, but Florida is definitely in the top three, top two range, I would say. Um, he speaks to Coach Greg Knox every single day. Um, those relationships are strong. He just likes how straightforward Coach Knox is, uh, how straightforward he is with him. Um, just basically doesn't really cut corners with him, just kind of tells him how it is and basically really um, just loves his skill set. He's a bigger kid around two, 200, 215, uh, but definitely pretty elusive for that size. So I know Florida mutual interest is very high there. Um, Tabari Alston, he's a kid out of Georgia, right outside Atlanta. Um, he's another kid, man, speaks with Knox every day. Um, Knox speaks with both of his parents multiple times a week. Um, those relationships are very strong, man. And at Florida, even back in the early fall, he would always tell me Florida's a school recruiting me the hardest. You know, that's a school really coming at me really hard. Um, and he's a kid. He hasn't visited campus yet, but he took part in multiple uh, Zoom calls with the staff. Really, really intelligent kid, really good kid to talk to. Um, I think he'd be a good addition. You know, Forrest told him, hey, we plan on taking two backs. You're a priority for us. We want you to be one of them. Um, he's one. And I guess some other ones you definitely keep an eye on is George Petaway. Um, he's a kid out of Virginia. Um, speaks with Dan Mullen every week. Again, Coach Knox. And I know Coach Knox kind of gets a lot of slack from the fans, but um, he's really put in the work with these running backs, man. Speaking about a handful of them every single day. Um, Florida's really up there. I know he, I talked to him and Basically, they check off every box for him. It's going to be tough early on to see whether he said they're definitely going to make his top list. He hasn't put one out yet. Uh, but basically, the, the relationships and how Florida likes to get the running, running backs in the space really catches attention. He told me, um, yeah, Petaway told me basically he would like to see Florida run the ball a little bit more. And I guess Dan Mullen personally told him, hey, going forward, we're going to. We have a loaded running back room. You're going to see us run, ball, run the ball a little more. So that's one thing he's keeping tabs on. Um, and two other guys we'll mention too, man, is Jamie Felix. He's a kid out of Georgia um, who's, who named Florida his leader as a sophomore. He's battled some injuries over the past two seasons. And from what I was told, um, that is kind of some, some bigger name schools have kind of cooled on him a little bit because they just want to see how he bounces back as a senior. Is he more injury prone? It's that type of thing. But he grew up a diehard Gator fan. Florida's still recruiting him fairly hard. And I think if Florida really wants him, like they really, really show they want him, he'll be in the class. Um, Big-time baseball prospect, too, a really good baseball player. Um, and the last kid I'll touch on, too, is Terrence Gibbs. Um, he's over in the um, Central Florida area. Uh, missed most of last year because of injury, uh, but Florida was obviously on him pretty early, um, a lot of staff members. Yeah, I know Florida just kind of wants to see how he bounces back. He's a Rivals 250 kid, but like you said, had an injury all last year. So him and Jamie Phillips are the two that 
Florida was really high with, um, but you know, they both battled injuries. So they're kind of like, Hey, uh, on a wait and see kind of on a wait and see list to see the, how they bounce back. But yeah, there's several options here, about five or six running backs to choose from. Um, and like you said, well, it's a long way to go and they plan on signing two of them. Corey, the, the story at offensive line for the Gators is a pretty unique one. Uh, a lot of their higher rated prospects never even played a snap for the Gators in, in, in the last few uh, classes. And, Talk about maybe you know they, they get projects and they have to work on them to develop them with the, with John Hevesy. You know, this coming up year is a big, I think big, um, big determining factor in how the fan base feels of the development at offensive line. You got some, you know, high, high, high you know, with Braun. You got you got you got your highly rated guy that you could probably plug in there. Fans want to see that. Then you got your project, somebody like Ethan White, who's going to be uh, part of the factor on this offensive line too. Uh, but, you know, the higher-rated offensive linemen probably still in need for the Gators. Are there a few out there uh, that that uh, the Gators are looking good for? Yeah, it's kind of early, man. Yeah, so Zach Rice is one that comes to mind. He's a five-star kid. Um, visited Florida multiple times over the last couple of years, especially before his recruitment really blew up. Um, early on, I mean, yeah, Florida's in that top five to six range. I mean, they're in there, but it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be kind of a tough pull. I, I think some other schools are definitely kind of uh, probably sitting in a better spot than Florida is today. Um, Keontae Goodwin is another one. He's a six foot eight, 300 pound kid. Um, early on, this kid has had like, he has like 60 offers, right? He started getting offers in seventh and eighth grade. He was actually <laughs> six, eight, 400 pounds last year. Oof. He dropped 100 pounds. Yeah, he's down to 300. Kid's a mammoth. Um, Florida's in there. John Hersey, Coach Mullen, and Coach Knox are all speaking to him every two days. He told us yesterday he plans again to Gainesville here soon. I mean, he loves how much of a priority he is for Florida. Not, he hasn't trimmed his list yet, understandably so, with all those all those offers to consider. So for as far as the highly rated ones, I mean, Florida has a little ways to go with them. But Quayshon Sapp, he just virtually visited this week. Um, a kid right out of Lee, kind of Leesburg, Georgia. Um, I think he's more of an offensive guard than offensive tackle, but he's versatile enough to play both spots, I think. Um, he's a kid that likes Florida a lot. On his Zoom call this week, it was Dan Mullen. Hevesy, Coach Knox, Lee Begley. I mean, um, yeah, so, I mean, it was everyone. I mean, they had like five or six people on there. He's in no hurry to make a decision, but he's a surefire four-star kid um, that Florida definitely likes a lot. I think we're going to have to wait a little longer before he makes a decision. Um, but he's one to keep an eye on. And another one I'll touch on, too, um, is Julian Julian Armella um, out of Miami. He's like a five-star with rivals. It depends on what service you want to go to. He's like a top-two offensive tackle. Um, he's an FSU legacy. Um, but based off like how at Florida State has played over the past couple of years, I think everyone always put a shoe in for him to go to Florida State for so long because his dad went there. Uh, but I feel like that's kind of went away from him a little bit. Like Florida State's still high with him, uh, but Miami's right there because he actually lives in Coral Gable. So he's like right in Miami's backyard. Uh, but Florida, he's told me multiple times he hasn't visited many schools, but he said he's got a feeling at Florida's campus that he hasn't gotten anywhere else. Um, like he like early on, he actually was former teammates with Derek Wingo at St. Thomas Aquinas. He there's a lot of the guys already up there. Um, obviously, Tyreek Sapp is one. He obviously has he knows very well from playing with him at STA. Um, definitely, Florida sits pretty high with them. Um, I would say more in the top three to four range. Um, but as far as having a shoe in front of these big time kids, I think that's one position Florida still has a long ways to go. Um, as far as offensive line, they're they're definitely on the short list for a lot of kids. But to say they're a leader or top two. I think it's a little truly to say that, unfortunately. I know that's a position people want for to make a huge splash and get the, the can't-miss name. But um, they're in there for a lot of kids, but they're definitely not trending for many of the big, big names yet. Well, one position they are trending for big names because they just had a big-name leave at tight end. Kyle Pitts is gone. Eric Gilbert's coming in from the transfer portal. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you guys had a recent update with tight end Jaleel Skinner. 
really uh, good outlook for the Gators here. Yeah, Jaleel Skinner, man. He's probably the most comparable kid as far as, like, not saying how good he is, but as far as his body frame and skill set. Um, to like a Kyle Pitts, he's about 6'6", 215 pounds right now. Um, Tim Brewster, man, I mean, you have to get credit to him. Same with the Kyle Pitts situation. Um, Tim Brewster has done an outstanding job of recruiting Skinner. Um, Texas on multiple times a day. Um, though that relationship is very strong. Obviously, when you talk to Skinner, he always mentions for his development at tight end. You know, obviously what they've been able to do with guys. And even, not even at Florida, but what Brewster's done in the past with his resume with tight end. So um, he just, those two have a great relationship. They talk every day. Um, he calls him like an uncle type. He's like, man, it's like I talk to a coach, but it's like, man, almost like having another friend. Um, that's how strong their relationship is. Based on what I'm hearing, um, you know, Skinner obviously has Florida number one. Clemson's not too far behind Florida. Uh, before definitely is, which is a big development. A lot of people have penciled in Clemson as a landing spot because he is from South Carolina. Um, but from what I heard, Skinner plans to get down to Gainesville sometime this spring, even if it's just doing his own little tour. Um, just kind of because he already been that he went down to campus last year too. A lot of people didn't know that he actually came down last year too. Um, you know, like right when the pandemic started. Um, so if he comes back down again this spring, which what I'm hearing that's that's the plan, it wouldn't surprise me if he made a commitment shortly after, as long as everything stays the way it is today. Um, Clemson, I think no matter what, they're going to be a threat until sign day. They're right in his backyard. They're not too far. Um, even in South Carolina, I mean, they didn't make. They're not in his top two, but. With them having a new staff and that being an in-state school, that's another school to keep an eye on. Um, kind of a weird different group of schools. Like he mentioned Arizona State to us as well. Um, and like you said, him being all across the country, that, that kind of caught me by surprise. But yeah, Jaleel Skinner, he's one to definitely keep an eye on. Man, I think if Florida can reel in him, that'd be a massive pickup. Um, and a lot of people have kind of not been on Tim Brewster, but I think like with this dead period, like a lot of these coaches can't get in front of these kids' faces and really sell what their vision. Zoom calls can only go so far. And that's what a lot of kids have been telling me. Like, I don't want to base my decision off Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. I want to see the school. And But based off like what the resources available to Brewster, I feel just obviously getting Gilbert in the fold, which was huge. I mean, Brewster was the main man behind that one. And now obviously getting Skinner to say, hey, Florida's my leader and it's by a good, good margin. That's huge. And I think if they can get a kid like that, um, that'd be massive for them. But yeah, there, there's about a handful of tight ends uh, Florida's going after, but obviously Skinner is by far the number one target. A few more thoughts here from Corey Bender from Gators Territory. Corey, we, we uh, look at linebacker and you know, Mari Bernie, um, Mamu Diabate playing in that position, maybe even at a position at times uh, playing linebacker. Are they, you know, they were never really thought to be considered true linebackers coming out of high school. Are there, are there true linebacker types here that Florida's targeting uh, to help shore up that position at, at linebacker and have guys that uh, are maybe not tweeners or maybe guys that are just trying to fit in there just because they need to? Yeah, I mean, one kid that definitely comes to mind is Harold Perkins. He's out of Texas. Um, he's a big name kid. Depending on where you want to, what service you look at, five star on one, high four star on the other. Um, Florida, I would definitely say, is in the top the three four range. He did a virtual visit several months ago. Um, Florida got on him. C Rob and the rest of the have got on got on him um, before he really blew up on the national scene. Like he was already he was already picking up offers, but now he's really catapulted from like a back end rivals two fifty guy. So obviously in that five-star range, and I think that's made a big impression on him, just knowing like, hey, Florida kind of saw my – Florida was one of the first big-name schools that saw my talent early, and it wasn't, hey, we're going to offer you now because you're a five-star kid. Um, but he's a fluent kid. He's about six two and a half, two hundred fifteen pounds, has been playing linebacker for basically his whole life. So that's – he is a natural linebacker. Um, obviously, I think A&M, Texas A&M, is a school to really keep an eye on for him. Um, but Florida's definitely up there for him. It's just going to depend on if he can get the campus or not. Um, like I was mentioned before, virtual visits can only go so far. 
Um, he plans on getting to Florida. I think if he took official visits, I think Florida would be one of those schools he'd be visiting. Um, but like you said, it's going to be a big wait and see with him just to see if he can get on campus. Um, one kid, another kid is Jerron Willis out of Georgia. Another kid, Florida offer. I think Florida was like his fourth or fifth SEC offer, but he had like Mississippi State, Kentucky, and schools like that before. But I think Florida was like that first big name SEC school to take that next step with them. Um, he talks to Dan Mullen and Christian Robinson every week. Um, it's funny. I know we we want our traditional linebackers. He's six two and a half, two hundred twenty pounds. But it's funny. His he plays more linebacker now, but he kind of played out of position during the first half of his high school year. I mean, there, he was six two, two twenty, playing safety, running back, and now he's finally settling down where he at linebacker where he played majority of his life. But the last year and a half or two, he kind of played out of position to help his team. Um, but he's a kid Florida really likes. A really really kid is really fluid in space. A hard hitter, um, a lot of potential, man. Like I said, good frame already, but can still kind of maybe carry some carry some more weight and be a true inside presence at middle linebacker. Um, Florida's definitely up there for him, man. I would say they're more in the top three range for him. Um, Florida's doing a great job, yeah. Like a um, really strong relationship with Christian Robinson. Obviously, distance is a big factor with him too. He's probably only about six or seven hours away from campus, but um, Dan Mullen is obviously involved too, and that shows how much of a priority he is for him. Uh, one kid who's kind of on the radar, he has an offer, but I would say he's more of a plan B right now is Devin Smith out of Oakleaf. Um, he's a traditional 6'1", 235-pound, like, Mike linebacker. Florida's in his top five. He was more in contact with Torian Gray before um, he left. And, I mean, they still contact him, but I think – I mean, I like his film, too. He is actually – I think he's really underrated as far as being on a lot of schools' big board. Uh, but he, he does have a verbal offer. We'll see how much Florida prioritizes him going forward. Uh, but he's an in-state kid that – I think if they gave him the green light, he would probably go to Florida. I mean, Miami's in the top five too, but he's a tra- definitely a traditional linebacker, a thumper in the middle who really, I mean, really makes the opponents pay, man, really puts them on their back. Um, another kid, it's, we'll see if he can actually get to campus is Nayuf Tulamaka um, out of California. Um, Christian Robinson, they did a virtual visit with him last spring when he was committed. To, he's from California. He was committed to USC, just reopens his recruitment about a month or so ago. But Florida was definitely when I he did a virtual visit last spring, and he's been talking to C Rob for two years now. So they've been on this kid since like his freshman year, even though he lives all in California, was committed to the Trojans. Um, and he told me back he he raised about the relationship with Christian Robinson. Has always said that he definitely wants to take an official to Florida. His parents love the vibe there. I think distance is going to be the only thing kind of getting in the way with that. Um, it just depends. Yeah, you know I mean, he always mentions Florida now as being on that short list. Notre Dame's on that short list as well. Oregon. Um, but as far as traditional linebackers, that's another position I think right now they have to kind of do a better job of recruiting. Um, a lot of more athletes, I would say, are kind of on that list. But same with offensive line. It's kind of they need to do a better job, I feel like, at that position as far as trending for a lot of kids. I think defensive line is one position, wide receiver. There's a lot of positions where Florida's seeing in a good spot with a lot of kids running back like we discussed. But I think linebacker is another one where I think they need to make a little bit more of a splash and kind of move up the list for a lot of these kids. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Corey, you you mean look? We just went through a a, a ton of names here uh, that could be on the radar for the, for the Gators. If you had to kind of crystal ball it a little bit and say uh, a, a couple names here that would be next on the commit list for the Gators, who are those prospects? Yeah, I think like you said, I think right now with Florida having two commits in the class, it's so early, and I feel like now with Nolan, it took about what almost a year and a half for us to get a second <laughs> in the class. But as far as if I just, I'll go over a handful of names, but if I had to circle one right now, I would say Trey Donaldson um, out of Tallahassee. He's a safety type. He was really in communication with Ron English before he left, and um, you know Dan Mullen has always been involved. 
Uh, Ty Graham has been recruiting them. And once they parted ways with English and, and Torian Gray, Ty Graham and Dan Mullen both reached out to him and said, hey, don't worry about it. You're still a part for us. Everything's going to be fine type thing. And since then, Wesley McGriff has picked up that communication, has been prioritizing him several times a week. Um, and basically, McGriff has been telling him, you're my guy. You're the guy I want. And he and Donaldson told me that means the world to him and more. Um, that just how, how high he is on his board and how that communication hasn't dropped off. He told me Florida was his number one school in September. Then December, he put out a top 10. And when you put out a top 10 or a top 10 or top 12, you usually don't say he was the number one school. Um, you're just like, hey, now I have a top 12. I'm considering everyone. But then I talked to him about two weeks ago. He's like, no, hey, man, Florida's still my number one school. So Florida's still his number one school. He's getting prioritized by that staff. Um, he has a basketball offer from the Gators as well. I would say, I mean, he's a really good football player because he does have offers from Alabama, Georgia, a lot of big-name schools, Florida, obviously. Um, but basketball, he's a four-star guy. He's a high three-star with us for uh, for football. He's one guy, I think everything just sounds too good to be true. It just depends. He's he's kind of told us in the past he could really pop at any time. I don't think he's going to drag it out too long. Um, he's one guy to keep an eye on for sure. He's a safety. Um, obviously, we talked about Nick Evers, a quarterback out of Texas. Depending if they go on a drought Florida, if they don't get a commitment for several months, he's one kid I can see if he gets on campus. A lot of quarterbacks like to commit early. And he, he kind of sent an article recently that he wants to commit um, fairly early because that way he can start recruiting for whatever school he goes to. And I think if you look at his list right now and how much he's getting prioritized by McGee, Florida kind of checks off so many boxes for him. Um, he's a very intelligent kid, uh, re- really intelligent kid as well, good academics. I think he would definitely fit Florida's system really well. He's one kid, if it does extend down, Florida doesn't get a commitment for a few months, he's one I could definitely see in the class. Um, another one's Christian Miller, um, a defensive tackle out of Georgia. Um, he plans on committing here in the next month and a half or so. Uh, maybe a little less than that. I think it's early April he's going to decide. I, I, I think it's Florida or Georgia. Um, they're in the top four. Um, Georgia was the school he loved growing up, but he lived in Tampa for most of his life and moved to Georgia as, as a freshman. Um, from Coach Cooper to Coach Turner to Coach Muller, man. I mean, he's a kid. He speaks with so many staff members at Florida. And I think with Georgia's class, they're they're trending for some bigger-name kids. And this kid's a big-name kid. He's a top 130 prospect overall. But Georgia might be getting two other kids along the D-line. They're like five-star status. So it's nothing to do with Christian Miller. It's just he's probably like not the very top guy in Georgia's board, which I think could obviously help Florida here. Um, and I think Florida, just the vibe I've been hearing that Florida is the school trending for him. It's going to be very close. I think Georgia Tech is in there as well, Indiana. Uh, but I think it's Florida or Georgia. And I early on, I'm getting Florida the slight edge. Um, and he's a kid early April. I don't have his commitment date in front of me, but it's in early April when he's going to commit. Um, and one last kid I'll mention too is um, – yeah, Devin Moore, the safety out of Naples. Um, you know, he's a kid that's really being prioritized by both Crime Dog and um, Montanar. Um, they're both coming out hard. He's arguably the top safety on the board right now for Florida. Um, Alabama recently offered, so that could put a fork in things. But, yeah, those are about a handful of kids that Florida could really trend up for right now. But I think Trey Donaldson, if I had to guess, I think he's the one I'm kind of looking at the most. You know, last thought here, Corey. Uh, you know, we, I talked about Jaheim Singletary earlier and him committing to Ohio State. You know, early on was thought to be that can't miss prospect. Uh, are, are there, is there a name or or two out there that you think Florida must have in this class to consider? You know, somewhat a successful class, or you know, guys they just need to have on the roster. Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, as far as can't miss guys, I would say Skinner's one of them. Um, getting Skinner in the class would be huge. Jacoby Matthews, a kid out of Louisiana, he's um he grew up an LSU fan, but he wants to leave Louisiana. He just said, you know, basically. The LSU I like, but he's like Florida is like the DBU that I always knew. Um, they like him as a three-down safety, um, and they're really pushing for him hard. You know, Coach Ratliff, um, you know, Wesley McGriff, Dan Mullen. 
Um, and like you said, he wants to leave Louisiana. And I think it's trending up really good for him right now. Um, I think Gabriel Dindy from Lakeland, he's a big priority for the staff. Oklahoma was kind of seen to be trending early on. But I think Florida's really kind of picked up their uh, really picked up their efforts as a layman, especially since September 1st. He's obviously another Lakeland high school kid. Um, five-star on 24-7 with us. He's a high four, D-tackle. Um, so Florida really likes him. I think if you miss out on him being a Lakeland kid, that would be kind of a stinger. Um, and another kid we mentioned earlier, Tyler Booker, the offensive tackle of IMG. Um, Florida's been doing all the right things for several months with him. And I think to lose out on a kid like that, especially with all the, the momentum they've had over the past several months, would definitely be a stinger as well. Um, one other kid I'll mention too, I think that we talked a little bit earlier, was Kenyatta Jackson of uh, Shamanda Madonna in South Florida. Um, he's a kid that Florida's been relentless for, for since probably 12 months now. Um, so much effort going to his recruitment to see him head elsewhere would be a stinger too. So there's not like that Florida legacy in the class where it's like, hey, you have to get this kid. Like if you miss him, it's a stinger. I just think there's about five to seven kids where they've just been really pushing for for so long. And it would just be a bummer for the staff to really miss out considering how much effort they put in. And those are probably like the four or five guys, I think, based on effort and mutual interest, that it would definitely be a stinger if Florida ended up missing out um, here in the long run. But a long way to go. This board is moving up and down every day. Um, and then next you know is going to be a kid who probably gets offered in a few weeks and ends up in the class. So it's just kind of <laughs> – this class has been kind of all over the place. But it's kind of a – I always tell people this class right now is a big wait and see. You know, just so many, so much movement right now with virtual visits, and um, we'll just see how it plays out, though. The roller coaster of recruiting, Corey. The roller coaster of recruiting. <laughs> yeah, as it is, 365 days a year, man. I'm with you on that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, Corey, man. What you guys got going on at Gators Territory? I know Nick there. Uh, he joined us last week here on Gators Breakdown. Baseball starting up, and uh, I think you guys are starting the podcast soon. Yeah, next week, man. So we'll be starting our Gators Story, uh, Gears Territory podcast next week. Um, we have two brand new virtual visit recap stories on the front page. Um, Nick is always obviously always killing it with baseball. We have Hector Rodriguez that helps uh, Nick with baseball too. So if you're a baseball fan, man, I mean, not to toot our own horn, man, but I think it's just second to none as far as the baseball coverage we're putting out now. Um, obviously, basketball season is almost over with. You know, they had a stinger last night in, in Arkansas, but obviously we're always bringing the coverage for that from, uh, you know, observation uh, stories to, you know, live game threads to everything. And um, recruiting is always, man, is always pumping out stuff, man. I try to put up at least three or four stories a day uh, when it comes to recruiting. But, yeah, head over to the site right now on the front page. We have a bunch of virtual visit recap stories. Um, basketball, football, you know, everything you kind of need if you're a Gators fan. So definitely check us out. All right. That's Corey Bender from Gators Territory on the Rivals Network joining us here on Gators Breakdown. Corey, man, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Dave. Good stuff from Corey there, man. Really a deep dive for a preview for the 2022 class. Uh, some good news, uh, some wait-and-see news, as Corey said. It's just a wait-and-see class here. Only two commits so far for the Gators in the 2022 class. So uh, a lot of ground to make up, uh, of course, when you look at uh, what everybody else is doing uh, on the recruiting trail. But a lot of prospects out there for the Gators uh, to uh, to be looking forward to, and we'll see how it all plays out over the next year or so. So thanks to Corey there uh, for giving us a big-time preview for the 2022 class. Uh, everybody, thank you for uh, listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. A lot, a lot of info here. Excited for spring football to be kicking off. We'll be talking spring football for the next few weeks. So a lot of good stuff uh, coming your way here from Gators Breakdown. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>